there, my dear friends in Canada. I do trust that you're doing well and staying strong in spite of it all. We pray much for you as a country, as a nation, and certainly do kind of feel some of your pain that you're going through, just not being able to gather and get together like you'd hoped. We trust that that door opens for you and that you'll be able to do that. But uh, please know from our side, we uh, are with you. We're praying for you and uh, genuinely carrying something of what you're carrying and do trust that things begin to open more. I realize this is not the ideal. We would all love to be together. I'd certainly love to be back in Canada, and I'm looking forward to that day we can. But right now, we do the best with what we can. I also realize that you're all in different situations there in Canada. Every region's different. Some of you can gather together. Others can't, and whatever else. But well done for trying to get something together. We do need to be together like this and have these moments. And so I'm going to preach and teach like I'm with you, all right? I, I, if I was at your equip, I wouldn't get a second take. You kind of get one take. It's not going to be this polished preach that would redo it. I'm just going to speak from my heart, speak from Scripture, um, and, and almost, if I can, make out as if I'm there in your midst, because I do feel like there's some things God's put on my heart, and they're not necessarily new, but they're quite strategic, I think, in the days that we're living in. And I'm sure you have your own perspectives around what's happening and that, and that's good. I'm sure God's learned to, taught you a whole lot. And may we learn from this season. May we not just move into the next and forget about what's happened here. And, and so I want to talk in this first session just around some of these realities and, and bring us back to purpose. I, I think in all of this, friends, without trying to be cliche in my statements here, I think in all of this, uh, that destiny is way more revealed in times of crisis and confrontation, and it really is in times of convenience and comfort. I think we all had momentum. We're running with momentum uh, before this pandemic, and and momentum is great. And I know that many talk that momentum is one of the best things for a leader. It's the best friend of leaders. And and while I think there is some truth, maybe we had a whole lot of flesh or or, or, or uh, physical momentum, but spiritual momentum is far greater. And I feel like God's done something of that in the season, brought us back to what He's about, what He's doing. And, and so it's been a difficult season. And as you guys are aware, many regions still locked down, shut down, including yours. And so you probably still feel like we're in it. And how can we be strong? But, but I'm convinced we are stronger by the season we've gone through. And I don't believe that God did this. I'm not a believer that He sent COVID, but I am a believer that He uses this, and He's used this big time globally and certainly for you guys in Canada. And, and we just don't want to jump into the next without actually realizing what it is that God has done in this season. And so if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you please, and I'm going to le- read in this first session quite a lot of ch- uh, Scripture. I make no apologies for that. I think we've got to keep coming back to the Word of God, not great opinions and perspectives or even points. Let's read Scripture together. And if you are, wherever you're at, please get your Bible out and read with me because I don't want you please just to hear this. We need to see it. We need to respond to it and make sure we're adjusting according to what God has. And so if I have a title for this one, uh, this session, it's The Power of Purpose. The Power of Purpose. The need, the understanding of what God's been doing in this time and in this season. I'm always reminded of A.W. Tozer's statement where he said, a scared world needs a fearless church. And what we're realizing more and more is that the world is scared and somehow we've seen the church almost become afraid again. And we need a fearless people in a season like this. And let's not put something on and make something happen. It's come back to the purposes and the plans of God that will give us courage, I believe, to be this fearless people in spite of what we're facing and whatever lies ahead. May we understand 
The world is scared. The world has been shaken. And it's a great time for the church to step into what God is. I think what we've realized in this lockdown and shutdown, and the reminder again is that God is not committed to our dream. He's committed to His purposes for us. And I think many of us had this dream, and we're living it out and asking God to be with us and to back it. And suddenly we realize, no, no, God's not committed to our dream. He's committed to His purposes in us, with us, and for us. Proverbs 19 verse 21 says, you, you can make many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. The message, Eugene Peterson's message says, We humans keep brainstorming options and plans. But God's purpose prevails. And I think that's where we've come back. And so I want to talk about the power of purpose and, and understanding where we're at and try and make something of what's been going down uh, and, and try and understand the season we're in and been in and also our response to that because I think that is so strategic. We want to partner with God. We don't want to waste these seasons and moments. We want to learn from them, adjust accordingly, see what's happening, read our times and seasons, and also, like the sons of Issachar, know what to do in these times and these seasons. So let's quickly go to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to pick up in verse 3. And, and Paul writes, and he says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. Verse 6, To the praise of, God, of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I mean, it's just such powerful truth. And, and again, I don't want to get stuck on these things because I've got other things I want to share. But just meditate on this truth again, friends, regardless of what we're going through. And again, it's not to feel good. It's this revelation of what God has done, what Christ is doing, what we've been given, what He's entrusted us with. And, and also just the freedom we have in Him. It's an incredible thing. And then Paul writes on, he says, Let's go back to verse 7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Do you see the destiny and the purpose and God's in things and God's utilizing things and God's conforming in this great purpose and plan that He has for us? In verse 12, in order that we who were the first of to hope in Christ may be for the praise of His glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. Having believed you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are being possessed. Uh, uh, sorry, of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glorious Father. Verse 15, for this reason, 
Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, but remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17, I keep asking that the glorious, or that the God of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him better. You know, friends, pause for a moment and remind us again, if I can, that our supreme need is to know Him. When you go back to the original intention and even the beginning of Scripture, when God created, Adam and Eve were created ultimately to know and to walk with their Creator. That was the reason God created man. Abraham was known as a friend of God. Moses on the mountain top with him saying, I'm not going anywhere if your presence doesn't go with me. I will do what you've called me to. And we know that he kind of argued a lot with the Lord in his call. But his, his, his desire was, if, if you don't go with me, I'm not going without you. It's you. It's me walking with you and you walking with me. And it's your presence that distinguishes us as your people and distinguishes us from other people. And, and I'm not going anywhere without your presence. It's David using language in the Psalms as we read through them. I'm sure they've been incredibly helpful for you and certainly for me in a season like this. But, but he's using language. I'm in a dry and a, and a thirsty land, but my soul longs or thirsts for you. Not for just water, but for you. I gotta have you. I want to dwell in your house. I want to be with you. Was the language that David would use in his crying out and desperation. More of you, God. It's Paul, the apostle, saying, "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. More of Christ is what I require. Whether I live or die doesn't matter. I just want more of you, God." Is his Jesus is saying in Scripture incredible truths where he says, "Depart from me, I never knew you. You've done all these things, but." Depart from me, because I never knew. Isn't that amazing? We can do things for Him, even in His name, but never really know Him. And Jesus said, depart from me. I've never really knew you. You never knew me. You know, friends, we're called to know Him well. We're called to know Him deeply. We're called to know Him truly. And, and there is a legitimate sense in every believer who has come to know God. That's what Scripture says in John 17 when Jesus prayed in verse 3, he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so if we have eternal life, obviously what Jesus is saying, if, faith, uh, if we have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, well, you've come to know God. But there is a deeper meaning, yet there's another meaning to this that I think we've got to contend for. And we need to know Him deeply, not just have an encounter, not just come to know Him, but know Him deeply. It's amazing that after 30 years as a believer, Paul, this great apostle in Philippians 3, said that he had not yet attained the knowing to know Christ, but he pressed on and he pushed on to know Christ. And, and I want to just again highlight in our timeline that we're in right now is this is our greatest pursuit, friends. I, I realize that there's so many other things and I realize that there's been distractions and there's, there's challenges we face, but it's coming back to what really matters. This pursuit is more than information. And we have access to so much information right now. It's more than study, those of you who love to study. It's our spirit abiding with His spirit on an ongoing basis. It must be our highest aim. It must be our greatest challenge. And as we come to know Him, we will discover a growing process of intimacy, a closeness 
that will compel us to want to know Him more. Not just, I know Him, I want to know Him more. Knowing Him, I believe, means entering into a relationship with Him so that He dominates and is the dominant influencer of our thoughts and our actions. And so here Paul's writing and he says, I keep asking the glorious Father, may give a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him more, know Him better, know Him deeply. And I want to just highlight again, let's keep pursuing Jesus Christ in this season. Verse 18, he goes on, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the, the divine guarantee and confident expectation, so that, that you can see exactly what He's calling you to do. Some versions say the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy saints. So, so Paul's prayer is that you may know, know Christ better, wisdom and revelation to know Him better. Then he says, I also pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you may know, please hear this, friends, the hope to which He's called us, the purposes of God, the plans of God, the power of purpose. And, and I feel like in this season, God's brought in, in, in what we've gone through, the destiny, as I said, but also the purpose of God has come back to the central theme and focus again. It, it's not about our plans and our things and trusting God's in it. It's God bringing us back to what really matters. And, and I want to encourage you that we need hope, not just in hope, but hope to which we've been called. Paul's writing to the church and he's encouraging them and praying that that they would have hope to which God has called them to. And that's what we need and need to understand. And, and that's what we see here. So can I just say live with a, with a sense of destiny, friends? Even in a season like this, live. Not just the leaders, not just the pastors. All of us must live with a sense of destiny. When people lose their hope of purpose, you surely watch them die a slow death right in front of you. We've seen people lose their way in the season because they've lost the destiny and understanding of what it is God has called us to. And I want to tell you, it's not based on your gatherings and the, the allowing of getting out and being out. Those things do matter, and I know they're weighing on you, I'm sure. But the destiny of God hasn't changed. And I, I'm hoping we can live through these moments and live big in these moments, understanding the destiny of every individual given by God. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But it goes on and says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I realize there's been deferred hope, I'm sure, in a season like this for all of us. But, but let's trust God with destiny. Let's be trees of life in this season because that's what I do believe God's been doing in us and over us and with us. You know, and so the, the, another version of Proverbs 13, 12 says, unrelenting, I think it's the message, says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. And we've had some incredible, incredible, amazing, sudden good breaks that have just kept people in that thing. And so I want to challenge you, my dear friends, and encourage you to live a life of destiny. Can I also say with destiny comes a duty, a responsibility. And I believe that's what Paul was writing and, and encouraging that the hope to which we've been called means that there's this incredible thing being laid out for us to walk in, but it also requires us to understand duty and responsibility. And and that hasn't changed, friends. Maybe what we've been called to and maybe the adjusting, but not the duty. And there's this God factor, and I, and I fully get it. And I'm thinking part of our shutdown and lockdown globally is that God didn't pause what He was doing. He, he kind of paused a lot of what we were doing, in a sense, to remind us again of what He is doing 
and to remind us that apart from Him, we can't do anything. And so it's not that, we, that God does it and we cheer Him on. It's that we are being called by God to bring what we have and to bring what we're doing and to partner with Him in fulfilling the mission that God has. There's a, there's a, there's a sense of destiny and duty and you and I are in partnership with God, even in your lockdown mode and whatever else. God hasn't changed that. And, you know, partnership requires all in. And, uh, and God is all in. Uh, and I do believe He's still asking of us to be all in, to bring everything we are, everything we've got, and bring it together. You know, I, I think partnering with Him knows, means knowing our part, what is our part, and what is His. But, but we do have a part, and that's what I want to highlight with you today. Say, you and I have a part to play. Even if you feel it's irrelevant, insignificant, to God it matters. And it's almost like it's 99% God and we are 1%. But our 1% makes up the 99, makes up the 100% with His 99. And He's not going to do it for us. He's not going to do it as we cheer Him and pray and ask. He wants us to bring who we are, what we are, and use it for His glory and His purposes. And so... With that, please, my dear friends, understand there's a sense of destiny, but there's also a sense of duty. What are we doing in this time and season with that? Your 1%, my 1%, our 1% together as God's people matters to His 100%. And He's not going to do it without it. So bring us, bring, bring what you've got and, and, and understand that. Um, also in that, not just a sense of destiny, but also a sense of duty, but also a sense of dedication. I feel like there is a challenge for us in this season to rededicate, come back to dedicating our lives again and, and our hope and to the future God's called us to. You know, um, there's a big difference between calling and responsibility. And I've, in this season, chatted with many, many leaders and pastors and people, and obviously. And what I've found is that many people feel like their responsibilities are overwhelming them in a season like this. Because their responsibilities, one guy, one pastor actually told me, I feel like my res- I'm burning out because my responsibilities have outweighed my calling. And, and I think that's exactly right. If, we don't, if our responsibilities become our focus, we're going to burn our friends. But if our calling motivates us to do the things we do, the calling for the responsibility... And so I think then we won't burn out and we'll do the right thing and do the things that we require, that God requires of us, not just being busy with what everyone else has for us. So I do think we've got to keep an ever-present sense, not a past, present, or a, or a future present, but an ever-present sense of His divine calling and destiny for our lives. In all things, small and big, there's this divine element, the call, the hope, the dedication. And then can I also just say we need to also in that thing of hope live with a sense of determination. In Job 11 verse 18, the New Living Translation says, having hope will give you courage. Hope gives faith the wings to fly. And, and I do want to say we need determination. We need hope. We need to understand the hope to which we've been called. And, and that's what Paul writes in verse 19. And he says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that the power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every nation that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I'm convinced we're not seeing this power that we've been promised, the power that raised Jesus from death to life, that took him from the grave to the victorious king he is, to where he's seated today. That same power is what Paul's saying we have as God's people. I'm convinced we're not seeing that because 
in the church today, we tend to focus more on our programs and our people and our abilities rather than His power. And I trust this season has helped us and is helping us. And to come out of that understanding, we have His power. We've got to walk in more of His power to fulfill the mission and the hope and the mandate He's called us to. Verse 22, Paul says, And God placed all things under His feet, appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So I love that picture that we are positioned in Christ where He's seated, not because of anything we've done, not because we've earned it, not because we do stuff to get there, because He put us there because He's there. And we minister from that place. We lead uh, people to that place. We, we, we don't come at them. We come and we minister to them because of where Christ has put us. Don't, don't try and earn position. I know you've heard me talk on this many times, but I feel like in the season... If we're going to walk in the purposes of God, we've got to understand where He's put us. We're not good guys, bad guys who've been made good. We're dead people who've been made alive. And we get to minister from that level. And we, we have Him in us. And we're seated where He's at. And so, please minister from that place. But these are crazy times, crazy days. And that text has been such a key text for me to just try and understand again the purpose and the power of purpose and what is it that's happening. Can I, can I also just challenge us because i listen still people say just can't wait to get back to what was and back there is no going back we cannot <laughs> be nostalgic for an era that no longer exists there is the now there's no pre-covid for us it's now this season and the future and so we can't be nostalgic for what was there are some things perhaps god will bring into our future from there but we're not trying to get back to that there's a new season and a new time and we've got to live in the now we've got to lead in the now we've got to be in the now and partner with god's purpose and plans for this season ignorance is not bliss when it comes to you and i walking with god and in the purposes and plans of god so Let's, let's see what he's doing now. I, I do believe there are three, and I've shared these, but I want to highlight because I feel like we're going to miss the moment if we just jump into the next thing without realizing and learning, as I said, and adjusting accordingly. So when I finish sharing this, would you, can I dare you and challenge you to get before God and actually make sure these things have been dealt with and we've understood them and we're responding accordingly before we jump into the next and what's next. In my next session, I want to talk about the next and what's next. But in this season, I want to make sure we've understood. I think there's three key major things that are happening right now. Number one, man is sinning like never before. And I, may, I believe man's always been sinning, but it seems like there's another level of sin globally. And unfortunately, it's been publicized. And what's tragic is it seems like nobody really cares about the sin of man. And we celebrate sin, and it's kind of been more and more exposed. In 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 1 to 5 speaks of godlessness in the last days. And, and I want to just read a couple of scriptures out of there. Uh, and I'm going to read out the Amplified Version because I feel like it, it kind of really demonstrates what we're seeing today. In verse 1 of Second Timothy chapter 3, it says, But understand this, that in the last days dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come difficult days that will be hard to bear. That's kind of freaky, but hey, it's in there. But verse 2, it says, For people will be lovers of self. Speak, and it says, Narcissistic, self-focused. Lovers of money, impelled by greed. Boastful, arrogant, revelers. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful, unholy, profane. Friends, 
It sounds like the world today. It sounds like our culture today. And, and I'm not pointing fingers. I'm trying to read the seasons, understand what's happening, and in it all know what we should be doing and how to respond to a season like this. Verse 3 says, And they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good. I mean, these are radical words, strong words. But can you just look around and see maybe that's what we're seeing today? Uh, Anyway, carry on. Verse 4, he says, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. And again, I read that and go, wow, friends, we're seeing more of that. It's always been there, but it's been revealed more and more. And I'm not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I do think He's coming back soon. These are our last days, and they're certainly our last days for whatever happens and we sing this. So right now we sing it. And what's the response? What, what, what does Paul write? Avoid such people and keep far away from them. Wow. seems like we're mixing with them. Or tragically, the church can actually be these people. So let's not be them. Let's make sure we are dealing with stuff in our own lives. And we're not just on this thing of it doesn't matter. It does matter, friends. But here's the, the instruction, avoid such people and keep away from them. So that's one thing that's happening right now, and that's radical and tragic and in your, in your and my face. And if it was just that happening, it would be difficult enough to handle that, deal with that, and, uh, and be able to function in what God has for us. But at the same time, we see man sinning like never before. The second thing happening at the same time is that the devil is raging like never before. Now, I, I, I believe he's always raged, but it seems like it's been more and more exposed in a season like this. In First Peter chapter 5, and in verse 8, Peter writes, and he says, Be self-controlled and alert. He says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, let me pause and, and just challenge some of us today. I listen, a lot of people talk about the devil, and I'm in no way wanting to glorify him in, in any sense, but he's real. And, and I listen to people say, oh, he's like a mouse with a megaphone. He really doesn't carry anything. And what we've just been, re- we've just read that, that we need to be alert and be self-controlled, that the devil, our enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion. See, I've had the privilege of living in Africa and visiting Africa regularly, and I've had the privilege of seeing lions close up. And let me tell you, when a lion roars, it ain't no mouse with a megaphone. It's intimidating. It, is, it, is, it brings fear and intimidates, and there is something about that. And so I'm not, again, not glorifying the devil here, but I am telling you he's real. He carries some authority. I know we have Jesus who's more authority. I get all that. But be aware, he's raging like never before, and, and we need to be alert of that and, and understand. And verse 9, he goes on, Peter says, Resist him, 
standing firm in the faith. That's what we're called to do. So we've got the devil raging like never before. He's intimidating. He's, he's, like a, make, he's, he's roaring like a roaring lion. And, and here's the thing. He uses people to do his dirty work. In Ephesians chapter 6, I know it's probably in the most quoted scripture right now with this whole thing, our battle's not against flesh and blood. But Paul writes that in Ephesians 6, verse 11 and 12. And in verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Other versions say we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The message, Eugene Peterson's version says, this is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about it in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. It's a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. And so there are two kingdoms in conflict, friends. We're not just friends side by side, pick a camp. There are two kingdoms in conflict. We need to be reminded of that. We're not side by side. We don't coexist. There's this battle brewing, and it's constant, and it's there. And there's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, and they don't coexist. There is this going against each other. And, and, and I know you know this, but just be aware that why, what's happening it, it shouldn't surprise us. And also, let's not play while the devil... Our battle's not against flesh and blood. He uses flesh and blood, and he might even be using us, you and me, to play the game and to offload and to divide and to fight against and to rage against on social media. And I'm not here to talk about those things except to say don't play into his hands. He's using you. He's using me. He can use us to divide. And we've seen that, my goodness, through all the political nonsense and all the stuff going on. Please, my dear friends, let's come back to understanding our season. We've got man sinning like never before. We've got the devil raging. Francis Schaeffer says... We're locked in a battle, and this is not a friendly gentleman's game. It is a life and death conflict between the spiritual hosts of wickedness and those who claim the name of Christ. This battle is ablaze right now. C.S. Lewis says there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And we know that the world is way too strong for a divided church. The world that we keep saying stuff like the world at its worst needs the church at its best. And the devil's raging like never before. And unfortunately, he's using God's people to rage with him and to rage against each other. And I'm not challenging you not to stand up for truth. And I'm not asking you to be quiet. And, but I am asking you not to be deceived and to play into the hands of the devil. I, I'm telling you, friends, I've seen the church divide. I'm sure you have. I've seen even in our ranks division kick in because we've become ragers against one another, saying our battles against flesh and, not against flesh and blood, but we've made the battle against flesh and blood and so you got man sinning at the devil raging and i was reminded of a story when we planted the church here in colorado um, and i used to drive to our meetings every sunday morning with some of my couple of my kids were in the car and they were always asking me dad what are you preaching today and i'd say the bible and i say yeah we know and what are you, who are you what are you preaching about and i always say jesus and they're like yeah we know you always say that but what would be your subject this morning? You know, and I always try to trick them and tell them and get them interested. But I remember the one day that I was preaching on this subject, and 
were driving down to, to our meeting and my son Josh said, hey dad, what are you preaching on today? And I said, I'm preaching on how to kill the church. And I want to tell you, my two, three sons, their eyes were just about popping out of their heads saying, what do you mean? Why would you preach on how to kill the church? And, and the subject I, I preached on that moment was actually God, that the devil wants to destroy the church we're part of and he's going to use God's people to destroy it from within. And I just remember I was reminded of that, that it's like the devil will use anyone. He'll use you. He'll use me. He'll use whoever he can as the rager to get us to rage against each other. Don't be the one who can help destroy the church. Let's get back to this. So whatever that means, I know that's a big subject in there, but right now we've got to understand what the devil's doing. So you've got man sinning at the very same time. You've got the devil raging. And maybe, we, if we're honest, that's kind of what we focus more on, those two things. But there's a third thing happening, and God is doing something in the midst of it all. And I believe thirdly, at the same time, that's the thing, it's not one at a time, it's all three at the same time. I believe thirdly, God is shaking. God is shaking. And I think a lot of what's going down, what's happening right now, is God is shaking. And we're giving the devil all the glory, or we're blaming man for their sin all the time. But God is shaking. God's in some of this, and He's doing a whole lot of shaking. And a whole lot of shaking has already happened. And I think it's a good thing. It's not always easy, but it's a good thing. It's the right thing. And I want to see what God's doing in the season so I can accommodate and be that and go where He's going and do what He's called us to do. Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 26, it says, At that time his, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things. So that, cannot, that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and be, so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So, so basically what the writer is telling us is that God is shaking and whatever can be shaken will be shaken and fall. And that which stands is the kingdom and that's why we want to come and worship and be grateful because our God is a consuming fire. So, so basically what that is saying is it's good for everything that's not God, that's not His kingdom to be shaken and to fall. So we know that that which stays is His kingdom. And friends, there's been a whole lot of shaking. And I think even in our ranks and, and even in the stuff we've, done, we've been doing, and there has been shaking. And, and it's painful. I, I don't like the shaking, but I, I'm so grateful. And I, I hope you are that, that God is so good to us and gracious to us that He... That he does the shaking this side of eternity where we can adjust things and get back to kingdom stuff again not waste our time with all this other stuff that no longer has relevance because it's been shaken and it's fallen. And, and that's why we've got to come with grateful hearts. So you've got man sinning, you've got the devil raging, and at the very same time we've got God shaking. You know, God shakes us to show us, to reveal what's inside. And I think we've seen a lot over these last 18 months or so of what's really inside. And it's good to be that to be revealed when we shake it so we can deal with the stuff and get it sorted, sorted out. The North American Trinity is comfort, pleasure, and success. Now, I believe God's shaken all three of those North American Trinity uh, to bring us back to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. So He shakes us to show us. He shakes us to sift us. There's a sifting taking place. And these days I've exposed, I think loyalty is like no other. We've been so loyal. And I think church, unfortunately, has been loyal to movements, to groups, to politicians, to ideology, and rather than loyal to the Lord. And it's like He's brought us back in the shaking. It reveals our loyalties, and we come back to the things that really matter. The world is watching us, friends. We've been exposed, I think. And it's a good thing to sort some of that stuff out. Sifting. There's a strengthening. I've always focused on the negative side of shaking. I've always uh, looked at the bringing down. and the, But actually, I want to tell you, God's reminded me, and we're talking about the purpose and the power of purpose and the hope to which we've been called. The shakings of God are at times negative to bring down, but there's also to build up and, and there's also to strengthen us. There's, there's reason not just to reveal what's bad, but also to strengthen what's good. And I'm, I'm challenging and hoping that you would be challenged in the season to see the good of the shaking and come out of the strong and better and go forward into the things that God has. So He shakes us to strengthen us, to purify us, to, to position and direct us, to protect us to perfect us, to bring a place of maturity. He, he shakes us to shape us. I, I believe His shaking is uh, breaking us down, but I also believe it is to break things up. It's also to break things open. It's also to break into us. It's also to break out, and it's also to bring us to breakthrough. And so part of the shaking is God wanting to break things up for us, friends. And I do believe out of the season, doors have been opened that would not have been opened. I believe futures and situations have been shaken up and broken open, and we need to walk through. There's a breaking up. There's a breaking open. And look for those doors in this season, because shaking has happened, and now there's an opportunity for us. There's a breaking in. God's showing Himself and revealing Himself at another level. That's what He wants to do in the shaking. And breaking out and breaking through. I believe we've seen major breakthroughs in the last... 18 months in our ranks certainly globally with all the the limitations we've seen breakthrough and that's the shakings of God all right so man sinning devil raging God shaking so how do we respond in a season like this how do we respond well I think there's four responses and I know that's way more than this and I'm, I'm pretty sure you've all got a different perspective to this but I, I'm just having the privilege of sharing what I think and what I believe God should put on my heart for us and Maybe we can just respond, respond accordingly. Because there is a response required. We need to respond now. And as going forward, we don't move away from what's happened. We, we live in the now and into the future, taking it into what God has. So what is our response? Well, it's fourfold. As these three things are happening at the same time, our fourfold response must happen at the same time. It's simultaneous. It's not one thing at a time. It's living in all four of these. Number one, and they're very obvious, but I'm hoping we will address them and adjust to accordingly so we can be more effective going forward into the seasons that God has for us. Number one, we need to draw close. Draw close. Well, to who? Well, to Him first and foremost. I have not met one person who said to me, Hey, Tyron, or didn't say this to me, hey, Tyrone, if I only had more time, I would spend more time with the Lord. If only I could have more time. And here's the reality. We were given more time in this lockdown. Whether we wanted it or not, we were all handed more time for a season. Here's the challenge. How many of us who said, if only we had more time, we would spend it more with Him? How many of us actually spend more time with Him in the time that we were given. And it's not to make us feel bad. It's to challenge us with this thinking that if we only had more time, we would do more time with Him, would have more time with Him. It's not about time. It's about priority. 
And I think God's revealed that to all of us, that if you, when we give in time, what is our priority is what we gave our attention and affection to. And, and I just feel like God has got us all back to this place of drawing close to Him. In John chapter 15, which I know has been preached a whole lot in this season, but I want to just read some of it quickly with us today. John chapter 15, in verse 4, it says, Remain in me. And I will remain in you. This is Jesus speaking. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> I feel like God's reminded us, without me, you can't do anything. Jesus made that very clear. And I think we've been doing a whole lot of stuff without him. And so he's brought us back to this is what matters most. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in His love. You are my friends. Look at what he says here in verse 14. I just want to just quickly get to this. You are my friends if you do what I command. In John chapter 14, verse 21, he says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show or reveal or manifest myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Now just stop for a moment and say, you know, all of us are talking about more of him, and we want more manifestation, more of his presence, more of his glory, more of him in our lives. Give me more of Jesus, more Jesus, knowing Christ and making him known. Well, Jesus actually says, if you obey me, John 14, verse 21, and your commands are in my, my commands are in your heart and you do what I say, I will reveal myself more to them. I'll manifest myself. So again, you can't earn his manifesting, but we can. We've been told how he manifests, where, who he manifests his, his presence and himself to more are those who do what he says. And so obedience is the key to it all. And so this drawing close and coming close to him is a need and a necessity and notice, it's not if you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's cause and effect. If you love me, the results will be obedience. It's this cause and effect. And so here's the thing, friends. Drawing close and loving him, well, it's based on are we doing what he's called us to do. And then verse 15 is where I want to highlight just on um, uh, Luke chapter, uh, sorry, John chapter 15, verse 15. It says, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit and fruit that will last. Then you will ask. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, I've listened and I've also said, where were the prophets? I've listened to people say, where are the prophets? How did they get it so wrong? About how come they didn't warn us about the, this pandemic? And even the elections, how many got it wrong? And, and listen, I don't want to get into the politics of that. And I don't want to hold those guys accountable. What I want to say to us is, where were we? This was not the prophets' problem. This is our problem. And when I was praying even into this next season, God challenged me out of this uh, 
uh, John 15, where Jesus interestingly says to his disciples, I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. Note, you don't call me friend. I call you friend. And then he goes on and tells them why. Because a servant does not know his master's business, but uh, a friend does. And Jesus was saying, I reveal to you everything. In other words, I think that too many of us, including me, have served the Lord as a servant. And servant is needed and necessary. I'm not downplaying that. But I'm not sure we've seen him or, or, or operated in a position or posture of friend. And it's not Jesus my mate and my friend. It's He's entrusted things to us. And I feel like going forward, we got to get better at not just relying on the prophets, although I believe in prophecy and we have prophets on our team. But I do think we got to get better as being friends of Jesus, where He tells us and reveals things, and He's not holding out on us in a season like this. That's what I'm talking about when it says come close to Him. Let's reveal more of his heart and understand more. Stop Googling all our information and go back to the, the resource of the heart of God. Jesus' heart. He has access to all and He makes known everything. And I think going forward, let's go back to Him and trust Him and, and yes, serve Him, but also look to be friends of Him where He can entrust us with some of the secrets of heaven. It's not just for leaders. It's for all of us as followers of Jesus. And so I want to challenge you. Draw close. Draw close. Not only draw close to Jesus, but to each other. Be connected personally, proactively, positively, and passionately. Friends, this, this whole COVID thing has forced people to kind of retreat in a sense and be isolated and be alone. And so easy to play into that. But I want to tell you, we not only to draw close to Jesus, but draw close to each other. That is what's needed for us going forward. So our first response and our continued response is, number one, bow down. At this, uh, sorry, number one, draw close. The second point, at the same time, our response is to bow down. And they do go hand in hand, but we need to actively do this regularly. I'm convinced. Bow down. Coming back to surrendering and submitting and sustain daily submitting and surrendering. It's not a one-off, I surrender and submit. It's a daily thing. We deny ourselves daily, take up our cross, and again, the will of God for our lives. And not begrudgingly do this, but come back to the bowing down, humbling ourselves and coming before the Lord. Lordship theology. Friends, we've got to come back to that. In all of this, the Lord of the work is way more important than the work of the Lord. And we've seen that, the unchanging one. And we need to bow down. So we need to draw close to Him, but we also need to bow down. I think there's a bowing down. I was reading Luke chapter 6 recently and it really stood out to me in verse 46 when Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not to do what I say. It just hit me that we all love to call the, Him Lord and talk about Him as Lord, but we don't, let, we don't do what He says. And, and uh, being Lord means I, I'm bowing down and I'm doing what you called me to do. Um, there's a difference between arrogance and humility, and I think that's where there's been such arrogance, to be honest, in the church today. And God's shaken things and got us to come back to the bowing down. We don't need arrogance, friends. We need confidence. And that, that's the message I'm preaching on um, the per power of purpose and the hope to which we've been called. But we're not looking for arrogance. And God will shake it and has shaken it, and He's got the church back to bowing down. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, Peter says, All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and so there's this bowing down and and as I said it's not a one-off it's sustained it's a daily thing um, it's a surrendering and a submitting to him 
Daily, friends. That's why we've got to come back. Submit to His will, the will of God, surrendering to the things God has. I feel what would be far more effective if we live in that place on a daily basis, not on a time in a moment, but a daily thing. And I feel like He's got us in that place again. And I'm super excited. You know, kneeling down before Him gives you the courage to stand up for Him. And so there's this draw close at the same time, bow down. Thirdly, at the same time, we need to line up. We need to line up. And I don't just mean line up for duty. Line up with the plans and the purposes of God. He's brought us back to what He's doing. If anything out of this season's come, it's what is He doing and what are we called to do with Him. And our plans and our purposes have been put on pause and, and sidelined. And it's a good thing to come back to lining up. The church has for too long, and maybe even us as the church, we've been too long marching to the sound of the world. We've been getting our gender from... Uh, from the world rather than from God and from His Word. And we're back in the sweet spot again to come back to those things. Uh, I've just been reading through the book of Haggai, and I just love the book of Haggai. It's just been so relevant, I think, for a season like this. And in Haggai chapter 1, it's the call to build the house of God. And I, and I know we don't build the house of God. We are the house of God. But it's, it's representing something of God's plans, God's purposes, God's priorities is what matters. Care more about God's stuff than our stuff is what it means for us. And you know, in verse 2 of Haggai chapter 1, it says, These people say, this is God speaking, The time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. In verse 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while my house remains in ruins? I just want to stop and say there's nothing wrong with paneled houses, and that's not the point. The point is... You're all busy with your own houses and you care more for your stuff and your interests and your, and maybe guys, straight up, out of COVID, in COVID, and what you're facing right now can be so individual focused of what about me and my stuff. And the Lord's like saying, well, you care more about yours than you do my house. Is it right for you to be living in paneled houses and doing your thing and getting your life back to order and normality while my house lies in ruins, is what he says. In verse 5, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. Not thought to your thoughts. Careful thought to your ways. That's the challenge. Most of us, if not all of us, would say intentional, 100%. It's all about the ways of God. It's all about building His house. I'm all in for His house. Even our thought life in it. But what about our actions? Give careful thought to your ways was the challenge. What are you building? Whose house are you building? What are you focused on? Let me step on some of your pastor's toes right now and say, hey, those of you leading local churches, I can't imagine the struggle you're facing right now, but it's not about getting your church back to on track for your thing. It's about building His house, getting the church back on the building of the house of God and the focus, and that's when God will take care of our houses. It's, it's that big understanding, your purpose Basically what God goes on and says, you take care of my house, I'll take care of yours. It doesn't mean reject your responsibilities. It means keep His purposes and plans before us, and the things we're involved in will find their place in it all. And that's what He said, that I may build that. And I love the response. Again, I don't, I don't want to get stuck there. Go read it for yourself. Uh, Haggai 1 and 2. It's a great text, just in light of some of the stuff we've been going. Let, please go read that if you haven't, and keep reading and let God speak to you. It's about lining up. But there's this great response when their word comes and they all go and begin to build the house of the Lord. And then the promise in chapter 2. The question was asked, how many were you a part of the house before? And then the promise was, the glory of the latter will be greater than the glory of the former. 
and I will be with you the whole... I just think, friends, maybe you sitting here today listening, going, Chief, only we were pre-COVID. We were so much stronger, so much better. So I feel like the Lord's saying, watch what I'm doing now. Uh, and the, 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 the hand of God and the provision of God and the favor of God and the glory of God is greater to come as we get the house and get our lives lined up again with what God's doing. That's why we're here, to serve His plans and His purposes. And the last thing I want to say in our response is this is we need to rise up. All right, our response, number one, is to, to uh, draw close to Him and to each other. Secondly, is to bow down, come back to that place of uh, humility and lordship and living it out. Thirdly, we need to line up, get back to the plans and purposes of God, our lives and our churches and our ministries to come back to what He's doing. And fourthly, we need to rise up at the same time. It's not get those things in line. It's all four all the time in our response to the three things that are happening right now. We need to rise up. I think one of the devil's greatest strategies against us is limitation. And seriously, if I look at this pandemic globally, I feel like the biggest enemy we have found is limitation. We all feel limited. And the, the, the easier thing to do in limitations is just to retreat, back off, and wait it out. And God hasn't called us to wait it out. Of course, we can't do the things we were doing. But we know He's not pausing the will. His will. It's going forward, and we need to rise up in this season. Rise up. Don't just stay on your knees. Get up. Rise up. Let's be the church. What an hour. What a season. What a time for you and I as the church. Friends, we almost, in a sense, get to rewrite the or write the future of the, the church going forward. And in North America, that's an incredible thing. I'm humbled to think God would use me to, in a sense, write something and strengthen the church and develop the church for the next era that lies ahead for however long that be. And so we've got to rise up in the season, not just let it happen, not just kind of caserasara, whatever's going to happen, whatever will be. No, no, we, we need to rise up in a season like this. Uh, and in um, Isaiah 54, as I land this, I just want to read it to you. And it's that whole um, seeing O barren woman. But I want to use the Message Bible just to, to highlight this. Isaiah 54, verse 1. If you've got a Bible, turn there, please, with me. And it says this, Sing, barren woman, who has never had a baby, fill the air with song, you who have never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing Women, God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big and use plenty of rope to drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. And you're going to resettle abandoned cities. And so I read that. And, and I've got to be honest, I've in the past preached that you sing in your barrenness for breakthrough. And that's not what that's actually saying. He didn't say, hey, sing in your barrenness so God will give you a child. He's actually saying, sing, O barren one who has never carried a child, because more are the promises and the destiny being given to you from God than those who carry child. And I'm not saying it's not important to have children. What I am saying is, spiritually speaking, don't sing for a breakthrough. Sing because of what the promises that God has given us and live in this fruitful season and place. It speaks of increased capacity. It speaks of fruitfulness. It speaks of faith. It speaks of uh, victory. It speaks of confidence, not in us, but in God's ability. And I love how it says, pitch a bigger tent. Pitch a bigger tent. So how do we do this? Well, number one, we see praise. Sing, barren woman. You know, sing, that word reinen, to cry out, to shout for joy, 
give a ringing cry. From this word reinen comes another word, rena, which means joy, a shout of rejoicing, loud, cheering, in triumph. Sing is what the writer is actually saying is sing in the face of your barrenness. What is barrenness? Unfruitful season. Maybe you feel like, gee, it's been an unfruitful season for me, or a wilderness experience, or feelings of inability. We've all had that. Or, or maybe a dry season, failed dreams and expectations, failure to see the breakthrough we're hoping for. Or how about circumstances that have no apparent answers? That's something of a season we're being in. And the writer says, sing in the face of your barrenness. Not in spite of it, in the face of it, because of what the promises of God. Secondly, not only are we to praise, but we're to plan. In verse 2, enlarge, speaks of wide, make room, place, locality, region. It's not a shrinking back and holding on season. It's a time to make room and to take regions and take situations and, and enlarge the place you're at. Tent, dwelling boat. You know, friends, those of you who lead churches, you can either structure your church for control or growth, but you can't do both. And so I want to say, let's not look for in control. Let's open our hands and say, Lord, we want growth. Let's grow. So plan accordingly. Thirdly, prepare, stretch, spread out. Your ten curtains wide. Surrender no matter what the price. Don't surrender to, to the, the situation. Surrender to the Lord. We've talked about the cost. Fresh commitment. Pay the price. There's a newness in the season. Where I have placed you, extend the place of your influence is what God's saying. Fourthly, pioneer. Do not hold back. Don't withhold or restrain. We've never been this way before, absolutely. But we do know where we're going, and we need to go for it. Shake off the things that hinder. Number five, plant. Plant or plant. Lengthen your cords. Draw out. Tarry. Wait on God. Work with a servant heart. Warfare and all that goes with it. Number five, persevere is what we've read in Isaiah 54. Persevere. Strengthen your stakes. Take courage. Stand firm. Stand strong. And number six, prophesy. You will spread out, increase, breach open, and birth, distribute. Ask in faith, not in hope. And lastly, possess. Verse three, settle in, become heirs to. We've been given this incredible mission, friends, and I want to talk a little more in the next session around that. But I do want to highlight just the season we've been in right now and say, hey, let's not be quick to jump into what is to come. Let's be faithful in our time and our season. Let's come back to the hope to which we've been called, the power of purpose. And in all that's going on, let's see what God's doing and let's respond accordingly. I trust it's helpful for you. I trust you'll adjust your hearts. Take some time even now after the session and maybe just let God deal with some of those things. And again, it's not get it right, then let's move on. It's keep these things in our hearts as we go forward to make the most of the situation and time we've been in. God bless you. Look forward to the next session. We'll see you then. Have a great, great time together. Take care.